Well, good evening again. Let's greet you in Jesus' name tonight. It's good to be here. This one last time, and yes, I am looking forward to this week being through, although I've really enjoyed it. I want to thank you for your kindnesses, the snacks on the way home, and the and the the gift that you gave. I appreciate that a whole lot. Um, it's always enjoyable to be with a congregation for a week and kind of learn to know some people and some faces. I learned more faces than I did names, um, but just to learn a few more people and who belongs here. I'm old enough to remember Millmont like years ago, and so it does look different today than it did at one time. And, and so to me, Millmont was a bit of a strange spot anymore, more so than it might have been probably 20 years ago or something. I would have probably known more people here at that point. Um, but anyway, enjoyed getting, getting to know you. And uh, some of you have probably been here every service. I wasn't really keeping track. I know that it wasn't this full every service, but I know there's some of you that have been really faithful in that. And uh, as you know, you might be sitting here, you're ready for this week to be over. You're thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do Tomorrow night, especially, right? So tomorrow night, you don't have plans, right? So some of you probably do anyway. But uh, yeah, I I just want to encourage us tonight that you know we plan and and uh, in James he tells us to don't be presumptuous with our planning because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know when the end will be. And I want to think tonight of some signs of the end times. I want to think about that subject a little bit. That you know the end of the age, the end of Time, in general, is coming. We know that. We don't know when that is. We, we have no way of fully deciding that or judging that. It's not really for us. Scripture tells us, uh, one of the verses we're going to read, Jesus says, no, no one knows, not even the angels, only his Father in heaven knows that day. It is a preset day, I believe. There is a time coming when the, this age as we know it, um, last night I was saying that... Uh, there in Romans 12, where it says, be not conformed to the world, it's don't be conformed to the age or the era that you're living in. And uh, this age or this era, this thing that we have going on here in this world as human beings is going to all come to an end sometime. It's going to be over. And um, for those of us that are prepared for that, it's going to be much better on the other side of that. And if, you have, if you're here if you're here tonight and you have loved ones that have gone on before that have parted this earth prior to the end of the age, they've gone through death, and they're prepared for that transition, then they're in a much better place today than, than what we are. Um, we don't tend to think of it that way because we enjoy life, generally, as humans. We, we, like, we like living here, right, mostly. I hope you do. If you're living a healthy life, you probably enjoy it. You know, sometimes when people get to the point where health is really bad and age is really high and life isn't very quality anymore and they long to go on because a lot of their friends and family and so on are, are already past. And that's, a, that's fine. That's a good thing. But generally speaking, when we're younger and we have health and we have vigor in life, we don't really desire to leave this earth necessarily. But we do need to always be prepared to face that time. Because it is coming for every last one of us. If the Lord tarries and this earth stands another 150 years, I'll just make the number high enough. If this earth stands another 150 years, 
None of us will probably be here to see it. Right? Even the youngest person here probably not going to live that long. Uh, it's not expected. That kind of life expectancy doesn't happen anymore. But in the meantime, while we are here, we have to be prepared for the idea that Jesus is coming again. And we need to understand that there are things we can see around us. There are events happening all the time. And I am not a, a prophecy buff by any stretch of the imagination. I love to sit and listen to people talk about prophecy. So if anybody wants this message tonight, just come right on up here and take it. I'll gladly listen. Uh, I'm not a prophecy buff at all. I, don't, I feel like I could read it, and I find it very interesting and intriguing, but I don't feel like I, I am gifted at all in this area of putting these things together. Tonight we're going to read a number of scriptures, and I just want to call our attention to the idea that, that we understand that we are living in a time, and, it, and I believe it has been since the time of Christ, but we're living in a time when we can see the signs of the age that are around us. And um, I didn't even mention it before, but I'm sure a lot of you have heard in the news, but, you know, Israel is under attack right now. I didn't hear what happened in the last day, so I don't know if it changed much or, or if anything's going on with that. But, you know, when, when things like that happen in the Middle East, especially involving Israel, then we automatically perk up our ears and say, what, what will become of this? And, and there's no really no, I don't believe there's really any way to know, um, but when there is unrest in that part of the country, in that part of the world, it automatically catches the attention of, of the whole world. And, and we watch and we wonder, what, what's going to come of this? What's the long-range effect of something like this? We don't really know. I'd like to start in Matthew 24, if you want to turn there. Tonight we're thinking about signs of the end times. Not necessarily trying to put it together or make any determinations, but thinking about the signs that are around us and that we can see that have, that have taken place. And I think maybe one of the keys and in, in light and kind of highlighting what was shared in devotions and being faithful, one of the keys here is verse 13 in Matthew 24, where, where Jesus says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, so no matter what comes our way, no matter how rough things get, no matter whether you are a pre-millennialist or an all-millennialist or some kind of in-betweener or a wait-and-see kind, uh, you know, um, and I, I'm not sure. I, I, could see, I could see Scripture. I see, where both, I see where both ideas come from in Scripture. But I don't think some of that is that tremendously important one thing for sure that I am sure of it is much more important that we're prepared for the time when the time comes. That's what's really important. So do we notice signs or we just go on with life and tomorrow is another day like yesterday was and I don't pay any attention and I just don't really, it doesn't really matter. And, and maybe it doesn't matter if it doesn't involve me directly, but, but it does kind of matter, right? Because God has something in his plan. I said, I don't know what's you know, what will become of this whole thing with Israel being attacked. But one thing I'm sure of, it's part of the plan that God has in place for the end of the age. And I don't know whether that means it's coming sooner. Well, it does mean it's coming sooner because it's a day closer every day, right? So we, we just don't know some of these things. Matthew 24, let's read the chapter. And Jesus sent out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came, came to him for, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, 
See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, let me just stop there a little bit. So we have the first thing Jesus said is something that's been fulfilled, right? You can't, you can go to the temple mount today, I believe. There's no temple there. It, it was destroyed. And um, Jesus is telling that to his disciples. We can't fully comprehend that because we never actually stood there and viewed the temple in its, in its state in Jesus' day. And we, so we don't know what that looked like. Um, but I think, according to what we read, when we read about the Solomon's temple, the, the original temple, um, it was magnificent beyond belief, I believe. And, and the second temple, it says, when they rebuilt it, that those that remembered the original wept because it was so far from, I don't know, you know, it makes you wonder if it was that deficient. But either way, it was a building that was very very well known. It'd be kind of like if you'd go to the, the Capitol building of the United States or something, one of those buildings that's just huge and lots of stone and granite and what have you, and somebody'd say, you know, nothing's good. there's not going to be one stone left upon another here in so many years. Well, today we can maybe imagine that a little bit because of the ability of the militaries to be able to bomb and, and just blow things apart and just annihilate stuff. Um, but I think in Jesus' day, to try to picture that, it was, it was, it was baffling to the disciples. Well, how, how would that be? Like, how, how could, what, what's going to happen that that would happen? Anyway, so as he sat, verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Notice the first thing he says. Take heed. When, when's this going to happen? And how's it going to happen? Well, first off, make sure no one ever deceives you. I think that's very key in Jesus' teaching here. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes, in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall, and then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now let me just stop there a little bit. You go back to uh, verses 6 and 7 especially. You know, are those verses fulfilled? They're, they're largely fulfilled, but I don't know if there's an end to their fulfillment. Okay? Um, those things are happening. Wars and rumors of wars. Um, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because I, when I was younger, I had my ears half plugged. I'm not sure, but I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think there's ever been a time when you hear of so many earthquakes in the world. That's the way it seems to me. 
these things are escalating. It's, it's happening more and more. And it should be a sign to us. It's supposed to be a sign to us. Jesus says, know these signs. The time is drawing nearer. <clears throat> Down to verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let, them which are, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. For then shall be great tribulation, as such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. For whosoever the, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Another thing that we need to be, be aware of, and that we are not deceived, and I don't know that I know of much of this at this point, but there is a time coming at least, according to the words here of Christ, when there will be deceivers, and there have been deceivers for a long time. We have, we have heard of people who claimed to be Christ in the past, and maybe not, in a, maybe not at a world level type thing, but if, if and when that time comes, and where, where that fits into all of the end time events, I'm not altogether sure, but if and when that time comes, we can be absolutely sure one thing if we ever face this kind of thing. You, there will be no doubt, there will be absolutely no doubt when Christ returns. It's going to be like lightning. If you were ever present, closely present to lightning, you don't have to wonder what happened. It's imminent. It's right there. Bang. The crack happens almost as the light shatters the darkness. Many times we see lightning in the distance. We see the flash. A little bit later, we hear the thunder roll across the land. That's not, that's not the kind of lightning he's talking about here, I don't think. We're talking about an event that's going to split the sky, and Christ is going to appear. Boom! And there will be nobody wandering, running around saying, Hey, Christ is here. No, it's going to be everyone's going to see it all at the same time. There will be no doubt. If anyone ever says to you, if we ever have that event take place, and they have to come and say, we found the Messiah, we found Christ, don't even believe it. Don't even give, don't even give ear to the idea because it's not an option. Christ is going to return in such a fashion that will be so instant and so obvious that every human being on the earth will know it immediately. I'm going to finish reading the chapter here. Immediately after the tribulation, in verse 29, 
of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together in his elect from together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other now now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves ye know that summer is nigh so likewise ye when ye see all these things know that it is near even at the doors verily i say unto you this generation shall not pass till these things be fulfilled heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in, mar giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, <clears throat> that if the good man of the house had known in, that in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ready also, for be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We need to be faithful. We need to hang on. We need to keep on going the way we know we're supposed to be going. I would guess that if somehow you could have known tonight that while you're sitting here in church, your house is going to get broken into. Most of you don't live right across the block like a couple of you do. But if you knew that, those that live close would probably be going over to check every now and then. Those that didn't, don't live close probably would have left somebody home. When he talks about the good man of the house, if he knew what hour and uh, what, what watch, the thief would come. Okay? We, we don't know these things and we don't live, hopefully don't live scared of those kinds of things. The option exists, Right? If we knew it, we would take measures to avoid it, whatever that is. So how is it that we know that the Lord is coming again, but we don't know when, but we tend to not take measures to be prepared for it? We tend to ignore the idea. Let's not be that kind of a person. Let's not be the servant 
that decides that his Lord is not coming, and so he's just going to kind of live it up, do his own thing. Then his Lord comes, just like the employee that decides the boss isn't showing up on the job today. I'm going to sit down and relax in the lawn chair instead of working. And then his and then employer drives in the driveway, and oh my, there he is, caught sitting in the lawn chair with a soda in his hand or whatever. That's pretty nice in a hot summer day, right? And we get caught, and we don't want to get caught. This is, a, this is an event we can't afford to be caught in. And so we have to always be ready. We have to be, a pay, pay, be paying attention to the signs. We have some more signs given here. Um, as in the days of Noah, do we have a world that's a lot like the days pre-flood? Well, we don't know. We weren't there. We didn't see it with our eyes. But according to what Scripture tells us, it has a lot of similarities. People are marrying and giving in marriage, the divorce and the remarriage, and the divorce and the remarriage, and the families are just all scattered and spread around. And, and it's just going on like normal stuff. And it's gotten to the place where it's gone even beyond that. We have all kinds of unusual things going on around us today. And we wonder, what should we do with these things? How do we reach, to the, how do we reach out to these people? How do we reach out to them? Well, I don't always know. That's not really the point of my message tonight. But the main thing that whenever we see unusual things going on, we are reminded again of things going on that are signs of the end of the age. It should always remind me, remind you, to pay attention and be prepared because the end of the age is coming. Do we recognize the end time events? Are we anticipating the Lord's return? Are you anticipating the Lord's return? You know, it's not that difficult to anticipate the Lord's return. But we need to be ready or we, or we can't hardly anticipate it. It's kind of a scary thought. Um, but we get busy with life and we're enjoying life and there's nothing wrong with that. I think, God, I, think, I think God expects us to enjoy life. We have a desire to live, as I said before, and that's natural to man. And so we, we want to be busy. We want to be busy working, busy doing things. But all of what we should be doing should be heading us in the right direction of serving Jesus Christ so that we can anticipate his return. Do we realize that all we see happening is part of God's unfolding plan? It's part of it. We don't, I can't put it together. Like My wife and I enjoy putting puzzles together, and we do that as a little pastime thing. A little while before we go to bed sometimes or whatever and you know and the puzzles you know you you find the piece and you fit it in and it fits and after a while you have the full picture i can't do that with all these different uh signs of the end times i can't fit them all together like a puzzle and show you the actual picture i'm i don't feel like i'm capable but we can take those those little nuggets of things we see around us and we can plug them into our mind and realize that this is all a sign of the end. There's a few more, indi uh, a few more things that I want to look at here. Or there's a number of others. But um, if you turn to Daniel, chapter 12.
by the way, um, for those of you that are sitting here that do understand prophecy, I'll pose a question to you because I've, I think these two things connect, but I don't understand quite how. In, in Matthew 24, where I read um, verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abominations of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, and then in parentheses it says, whoso readeth, let him understand. If you go to Daniel 12 and verse 8, Daniel says, I heard and I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. I'm pretty sure those two things are connected. Well, it says about Daniel, but I'm wondering. Um, anyway, if you understand that more, I'm, I'm open to. I'm not sure that I understand that a whole lot more than that right there. Other than when we get to Jesus' time, he's like, understand it. Um, but anyway, just a few more things here in Daniel. Verse 4, I don't think I'll read this whole chapter. I, I could, but in verse 4, it says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Then he says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Right there is a pair of uh, signs of the end time. Many shall run to and fro. Have we ever had a time? I don't believe, I asked a bit earlier if, if our age compares to the time of the pre-flood with Noah and, and what it says about marrying and all this. It, it probably does. I don't know if it's beyond or not. I don't know how bad it was then or how bad it is now in comparison. But I would guess that there's never been a time in the world that people go and travel around the world like they do today. I, I think that's probably true. Does that mean we reached the limit? I, not all, apparently not. We're still here. But many shall run to and fro. And we can say that has to do with our busy lives. We're running around all the time. Well, maybe so. But I think he's talking about men creating the ability to get around in this world. I don't even, I have no idea what the numbers are. Like air flight and that kind of thing. It's just amazing. It's staggering. It doesn't matter when you choose to go. On an airline flight to another country or something, I've done a number of, of it myself, a number of times. It doesn't matter what day I fly or where I'm going. You go into the airport, it's always full of people. And there's always people coming and people going. Where are they all coming and going from? I don't know. I guess they all have a purpose just like I do because I'm going there, right? But it's, it's a sign of the times. It's not one we often think of, but I believe it is a sign of the times. And then in verse 10 here, he says, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. An increased gap, an increased gap between righteousness, um, between, let me back up. An increased gap between the believer and the unbeliever. An increased gap between the, the right and the wrong. Is that gap increasing today? It is majorly increasing. My wife and I talked to a young lady from our congregation recently that, was, that is in a local community college studying to be an RN. She goes four days a week. She, she doesn't live, she commutes. She lives nearby. And 
she said that's the, that's the hardest thing for her to adjust to, the, the company, the people she's around. She sees lots of gothic type things going on. A lot of that, she said, lots of that. Which doesn't surprise me because the gothic type thing, the black and the chains and the jewelry and the tattoos and, the, and all this, that, that goes very much with Satan worship. And Satan worship is a real thing. It's around us. Uh, we don't have to go real far to find it if you, if you want to. I wouldn't suggest going trying to find it, but it's around us. Um, but the other thing that she said just happened to her two weeks ago or whatever. She was, wait, she was waiting to get on the elevator at the school, and she said the person in front of her had a skirt on, but it was obviously a guy. She said it was trans of some sort. So we have that going on today, right? We hear a lot about it. Is that a difference in the gap between right and wrong? All these things are expanding. While she was there pondering this guy that looked like a girl in front of her, somebody bumped her from the rear, and she turned around, and she said there was a cat. Makeup on the face, tail, the whole deal. Hey, it's real. It's out there. I mean, it's make-believe, but it's real. Okay? It's out there. This, this gap that's happening between what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, and, and we can, we're in there, you know, we want to we be on the right side, okay? But that gap is getting wider. 50 years ago, you would have never, not even 50 years ago, 20 years ago, you would have hardly dreamed of even a transgender. That was like, that was far out there somewhere. It probably existed then, but it was far out there. Not anymore. It's getting really, really common in the society around us. Wicked people losing understanding. Righteous gaining understanding. I don't know how much that hopefully is the case with us. As we search the scripture, we continue to gain understanding. And maybe these things happening and us recognizing the signs of the age gives us more understanding. And the wicked people just going further and further away. How do we view the future? Turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. <clears throat> now I realize I didn't cover all the things that it said in Matthew there, and some of those things are future still, and some, and some of those things I, I kind of stumble as to whether they're past or future or both. And when you get into prophecy, I find that that's often the case. Prophecies can apply. When they were given, they can apply to something very near at hand and, the, and, and on into the future. And it's one of the unique things about this book. It's why I can read this same book over and over again, read the same verses over and over again, and I get new meaning out of it because this book is living. It's alive. It's God's Word. Okay, so I can't always get all the meaning right away. It doesn't always come right away. And so I think prophecy fits right into that same category. God is speaking and he's saying, these are things you're going to see. Uh, and then we see it and then after a while we see it again and, and that kind of thing. Luke 21 verse 25. And there should be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. I was having a discussion with a few of us at lunch about global warming. I think that fits into this category. Men's hearts are failing them for fear as they look on things coming on the earth. And while there might be a warming pattern, we don't know if it's just going to be a warming pattern for 50 or 100 years. Because they say that if you go back, and I know that we don't have records really good, you know, way back. But if you go back, there's been patterns of up and down in, in warming and cooling. And that makes sense to me. It also could make sense to me that there is a gradual warming pattern. And that's just what God has set up. But it's not severe enough to get anywhere near worked up like they are getting worked up. It's not severe enough to, to undo you know, to make it so that we, whatever, some of them would have it so we can have warm houses, I guess. I'm not sure they get so worked up that we have to stop this. And, you know, in 12 years we're going to burn up or whatever. And it doesn't even hold out because the data they're giving doesn't even line up to those kinds of predictions. But that's what we have going on. We have people that are making assessments of what they see, but God's out of the picture. He's completely out of the picture. And when someone is an atheist by profession... And they are looking at science. Need I say more? I don't think we need to say more. Because where does science have its roots? Where does math have its roots? Where does all these things have its roots? With God. He's the creator. God's the one that made 2 plus 2 equal 4. I didn't. I didn't decide that one day. I taught a lot of math back in my six years of school teaching. I never made a decision on what any equation equals because... There's a given answer for everything, and it's the same in science. I don't understand science the same as I do math in general, but the answers for science are found through God's eyes, not through man's eyes. And so we don't need to get all worked up about what's going on. Increased fear is all around us. Men are fearful in general. When we see these things come to pass, we are to look up, for our redemption draweth near. <clears throat> Turn to First Thessalonians. I don't apologize for the scripture. I apologize for all the reading tonight. I might not be the most eloquent reader, um, but I, we should never apologize for scripture, and there's no better way to say some of these things, really. What did I say? 1 Thessalonians 5. The first three verses. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for, them, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This is one that I thought of quite a bit with our previous president and the great bounds he supposedly made in Middle East peace. peace. That was, it was, that I had to think of it, you know, peace, peace. They're going after peace. Right now there's anything but peace over there apparently. But, but um, you know, when they say peace and safety, I don't know if that means totally at a, at a world level or what that means exactly. 
but there is an increased cry for, for peace. It has been for quite a while already. And then in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, Second Peter 3, verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of, cre of the creation. What's wrong with verse 4? What's wrong with that statement? People saying, For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have, have continued as before since the beginning of creation. That's not true. That's totally letting out the fact of Noah's day and the flood. God made a huge judgment on the earth since creation, okay? And he wiped out the earth and started over at that point with Noah and his family and the animals that were on the ark. There is no truth in saying that things are going on as they always have been because they didn't always go on like that. But we're really short-sighted and we look at only our little lifetime and we say oh things are just kind of going on um, but I hope that if you're old enough to look back 10 years or so you can look back and you say you know things aren't really going on quite like they were it's different it's continued to escalate scoffers verse 5 for for this they are willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, talking about Noah's day there, the flood, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Stop reading there. God is not slack concerning his promise. He is not. Things are not out of control. They're completely in his control. But he is waiting because of his long suffering. Didn't I say one time earlier this week that I believe it's God's plan. It initially was God's plan that as man fell into sin, God, God brought his son to this earth and he made a way to salvation so that man, so the human race could be brought back to him. I believe it's God's will and desire that all the human race would come back to him. And he's waiting for as much of that as possible. Obviously, we see it's not, it's not working, working that way in general. <clears throat> the day of the Lord, it talks, about, um, it talks about time here. God doesn't live in time. So for God to wait, for God to wait another hundred years, another thousand years, to him it's, it's a non-event. I, I believe that God has that time set though, but another day, another year, another two years, another 20 years, another hundred years 
it, it doesn't add up to God. God doesn't live in time. He lives in eternity. We live in time. We think 100 years is a long time. It is a fairly long time, but it is nothing in eternity. You can try, you could try that little experiment sometime with your calculator. They don't make calculators big enough, by the way. But, you know, if you try to uh, divide, if you take the biggest number you know, one with however many zeros, I'm not sure what that number is in the actual, uh, I'm not sure what it is. But even if you take a trillion, if you take one trillion and, div and divide, if you take one, the number one and divide it by one trillion and see what you get. And then do it again, and do it again. Your calculator's going to be all zeros in a very short time. It's not going to have anything on the on the other end here, okay? Because it doesn't it doesn't equate. It doesn't it doesn't calculate. But when we compare when we compare our life to eternity, it's even worse than that. There is no there is not time doesn't exist in eternity. It does not exist, okay? And that's really hard to get because everything I do is by the clock and by time. Even preaching here, I'm, I'm pushing my luck here. But time, time does not exist in eternity. God does not live in time. Time is something God created, and he's going to end it again at some point. Okay, so he's not, God's not out there somewhere not paying attention and not knowing what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on, and he has a time set when this world will end. I think we won't go to Revelation 13, but you go to Revelation 13, you read about the one world system that will be coming. And I know that's, that's kind of another era potentially of time, and yet maybe not, and, but we see lots of things happening in today's world that, you know, when the first credit cards came out, some people were leery about using a credit card because that could be the mark of the beast or whatever, you know, and, and you all go on down on down. Now, now the credit cards have chips in them, and the chip idea is very relevant. It's around us, and, and they're even placing chips in, 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 in the animal kingdom. And I understand even the military some, I don't really, I never, have not really researched that recently, um, but that, the whole concept of a chip is very possibly what it's going to be we don't even know that because if we were to try if we were to try to uh predict what we're seeing today 50 years ago we would have i would have missed it by i you can't even imagine some of the things that are happening and so how do we know that it can't multiply by 100 again in the next 100 years i don't know if man's left to his own devices you know man's made in the image of god and Man is pretty creative. It's amazing. Pretty, pretty good at getting things ha to happen. But we see a lot of signs of the end. What is the Christian's response to all of this? I like to keep reading there in 1 Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5. And verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day... 
Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. I think I'll stop reading there. You could read the rest of the chapter, actually. It all kind of fits, but, you know, if we're not, we're not of the darkness if we're in Christ. We're of the light. And we can see some of these things plain as day when they happen. And we, and we wonder, well, how did we not notice that before? But there it is. You know, there's another sign of the end of the age coming. And we just continue to do what we're doing, just like I said this morning. Just continue to be part of the action in the church and, and encouraging each other on and doing what is right to do. Romans 13. In the last couple of verses of Romans 13. Speak to this. The, the Christian's response as well. Starting at verse 11. Romans 13, 11, And that knowing that the time. That na- knowing the time. That now it is high time. To awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The Christian's response to all of this stuff, Jesus is coming in, and it should be praise the Lord, Allow him to come. Let, even so come, Lord Jesus, says in Revelation. Even so come. But in the meantime, I'm going to make sure I keep my house, my, my life in order. I'm going to make sure that I'm not running around doing dumb stuff, dappling in sin, playing with the devil, so to speak. I'm going to make sure that I'm, that I'm on that road, that straight and narrow. I made mention of it, was it last night? There's... There's lots of ways we can get off track. There's only one way to stay on track, and that is our eyes on Jesus. Straight forward. So our response, hopefully tonight, is, as it says in Revelation 22:20, "Even so come, Lord Jesus, I am ready. I don't, I'm, I'm more than happy to live here another however long, however many years you have for me, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. But if you want to come tomorrow, I'm ready. Matter of fact, that would be easier in a lot of ways, right? We, we look at all the life around us and we think, ah, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, if we could just get a real glimpse of eternity, what's the, what's the saying that I, that I saw years ago, and I, and I always try to quote it, and, um, but if, if, if every living soul would know what every dying soul discovers, we would all be saved today. And I, I think that's really true. If we could just really get a glimpse of, of eternity, if we get a glimpse of eternity, wh- whether it's heaven or hell, I don't know that it even make a whole lot of difference. I think we get a glimpse of eternity, for real, it would change our whole view of this life. And, and so... We want to be faithful. We want to live. If God has life for you, if he has life for me for another however many years, 
then we want to live and be faithful to him. But if he does, if that is not what he has for you or for I, or if the end of the age is close at hand, then our cry should be, so be it, Lord. Even so, come. I'm ready. Let's go. Right? I hope that's where you are tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you this evening and thank you for the privilege of life. We thank you even more than that for the privilege of salvation that gives us life beyond this earth that goes on into eternity. Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us tonight, visit each of our hearts, help us, Lord, to be faithful and true to you, help us to be ready and willing to depart with you as the time comes, whether it is our individual death or your second coming. I just pray, Lord, you'd keep us faithful to that time, each one of us in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think we'll give an invitation tonight. If you do not feel comfortable...